You know, losing a spouse is an unimaginable, tough event to go through in life for many of us. But the financial implications can then add just another layer of stress to that grieving process. So in today's episode, we're going to dive deep into some of the most common financial issues faced by widows and widowers, from dealing with income gaps to navigating tax changes as a single filer. We're going to explore some actionable strategies that you can take to address these problems. We're talking about the importance of life insurance, spousal pension continuation, all sorts of things like that. We hope that today's episode will help you better prepare for if this ever happens in your life, and if you're going through it right now, provide you with some actionable steps to hopefully make this process a little easier to get through from the financial standpoint. On today's episode, we're going to talk about navigating finances after losing a spouse, strategies, and also mistakes to avoid. Coming up, stay tuned. A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox and get to work. Well, welcome to another edition of the podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles. And Scott, I hope you are doing well. What's up in your world, my friend? I am doing amazing, Walter. Thanks for asking. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, getting ready here for fall. We're... uh coming up here on Halloween here soon. So got my decorations up for Halloween. We get nice. them out there early. Did and, you do anything uh, different this year? Well, so I'd love, all right, I'd like to think I'd decorate a lot for Halloween, but my daughter keeps reminding me how weak my Halloween decorations are. <laughs> so I actually, I've been trying to upgrade every year. And last year, I actually had a projector shooting onto a screen in one of my windows with these crazy looking goblin kind of uh skeleton things trying to climb out of the window and i had this big speaker with all this creepy noise and it was actually was a kind of a hit in the neighborhood we'd see people walk by trick-or-treat then they'd stop and they'd watch it and uh so i'm planning on kind of upping my game a little bit on that this year where i think i'm going to do like a a projection that's going to be in the yard okay yes like onto the yard Right, so I'm I'm going to build. It's either I'm going to do it on the yard or I'm going to do it like on the on the roof, and I'm just going to build a uh, kind of a frame out of maybe PVC probably, and then put the the see through screen, the projector screen on it. It's a special kind of cloth material, and then I can shoot from the from the backside onto the screen, so you could have like a witch flying on a broom on your roof. There's a lot of crazy things wow. you can do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So, it sounds like your Halloween decoration game is, is pretty intense. That's impressive, my friend. Yeah, I'm certainly uh, certainly trying to up my game. But, yeah, well done. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy it. You know, I do got the strobe lights and the, the, you know, the fog there. And I've never been the guy, though, that would sit there, like, dressed in a costume and scare the crap out uh, of little kids. I yeah. always kind of felt bad to do that. Yeah, let it be the more static stuff. Even though I would totally enjoy that, I would get like a Mike Myers mask and like run out of my backyard. Just make them make all the kids cry. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would have so much fun doing that, but I feel bad. I did that once when I was younger, and it scarred me for life. And uh, I scared the (laughs) crap out of a little kid, and it wasn't even that bad. My dad and I had strung up basically this scarecrow 
um, mm-hmm. to be kind of hanging out on the porch, but we'd hooked strings to him so that when people came up the porch, we could tug the strings. It would make the scarecrow leap out at people. And we did it, but we, we lived in a neighborhood that only had like four kids and right. the very first kid of the night came up and he was dressed as a fireman and he was like this little three-year-old kid and he walks up the stairs and, was, and we looked at each other, we we're like, well, we only have like four shots at this tonight, so might as well do it. So we jerk it at the little three-year-old kid and he just, just starts bawling and oh, it was awful. We like ruined the kid's night. We felt <laughs> so bad. So we like followed him back out to the street and we're showing him like, no, 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 it's okay. We even took the, the scarecrow and like ripped it, like just pulled the stuffing out of it and be like, see, he's fake, he's fake, it's okay. We gave him so much candy. We were like, come on, stop crying. <laughs> Here's cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take some cash. I'm sorry, little kid. <laughs> oh, man, it's good good stuff. So I like the lighthearted Halloween stuff now. Uh, we have one house in our neighborhood. I need to take a picture and send it to you, Scott, mm-hmm. since you're into this decoration. They did an awesome job. They have... Well, not hundreds. That's an exaggeration. They've got like maybe a dozen or more um, small skeletons, like little tiny skeletons, climbing all over their house. And they put them in like really unique positions. Um, So like trying to get into the window. So it's like their house is being attacked by skeletons. And uh, it's just it's just really well done. It looks really entertaining. And uh, I can't wait to see what they do on actual Halloween night. I'm sure they're going to go all out. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to get one of those. Yeah. Pretty cool. Uh, they, they just got them climbing up the gutters, hanging out the window, coming down from the roof upside down. It just looks like it's capturing this moment before the assault on the house, you know. That's cool. Pretty neat. Well, very good. Uh, let's get into our main topic today. Coming up in a little bit on the show, we've got a good mailbag question this week, actually, from Jack. You'll want to stay tuned for that when he's got questions about pension, but worried about inflation and the impact of that on the pension. Plus, we're going to talk about phone apps in our Getting to Know You segment today. But first, we'll take our tough topic first, Scott. This is not an easy one to discuss here on the show. Certainly not an easy one to discuss in the office when you have people to come in to meet with you. Losing a spouse, the mistakes we want to avoid when planning for that, uh, the financial part of that situation and some strategies that we can put in place. First of all, I know you've worked with a lot of people who have lost a spouse, whether it be the first time they come in to meet with you or uh, after, uh, or perhaps it's happened once they've been a client for a while. They want to make sure they're in good shape financially. That seems to be what eventually people get to trying to figure out. What are some of the problems that often pop up for folks um, when they go through this? Well, first of all, I always tell people, some some people will give me a call like right away, you know, even before the funeral. And, and I tell them, hey, you know what? There's no hurry on any of this stuff. Take your time, you know, be with your family, heal up, then give me a call. Because we don't need to go rushing in to getting all, you know, our accounts switched around and doing this all kind of stuff. You know, the first thing, you, you just take time to grieve. And I don't need to be your first call, all right? Now, unless there's a certain situation where maybe we have payments or something, but 99% of times it can just be, hey, you know, take your time to grieve, call me when you're ready. And, uh, you know, when there's a lot of different issues that, you know, that we have to deal with when it, when it comes with losing a spouse. And, uh, you know, everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different. Well, I think that's one of the things that makes this so difficult when you have different situations to try and problem solve for. But everyone is going to be faced by essentially the same issue, and that's going to be an income gap. 
when you mm-hmm. have two people, uh, you have a relationship, you've got a couple that's going through retirement or planning for retirement together, you, you both are going to deal with an income gap when you retire. Uh, but then when you lose a spouse, it's going to create additional income gaps. So can we solve for those kinds of things in advance before um, you know, this eventually happens to, you know, to us as couples? Yeah, you know what, Walter, that's a good point. So an income gap where we're going to have some of these issues are, number one, um, Social Security. So usually we're going to have a husband and wife that are both getting their Social Security while they're living. Um, And when one of you passes away, you're going to lose one of those Social Securities. You can't continue to claim yours and then get anything on your deceased spouse. So you're able to switch to the higher of the two Social Security payments. So for instance, if it's a a husband that passes away, the wife's payment is $1,500 a month, the husband's payment was $2,000 a month, the wife could then switch to the $2,000 payment, but you still lose that $1,500. So there's that gap there. So in advance, what you want to do as far as with Social Security is just make sure that your cash flow that you know that this is going to happen and you've prepared that you have enough cash set aside for that. And then the other place where income gaps come into play are pensions. So if, if when you first select your pension, if you didn't select that there's a survivor benefit, and usually you're going to have a choice of several different survivor benefits, like for instance, 100% to your spouse, but it's going to be at a reduced amount Maybe you'll get a little bit more if it's you know 30% to your spouse. And then your highest payout when you select is going to be solely just on your life. That's where the income gap comes into play. And now we lose a pension and we lose half of our Social Security. The secret, though, is that we, we plan for this ahead of time. And there's, there's you know d- different ways that you can do that as far as the pension goes. First, making sure you pick that option when you first take your pension that works best for you and your spouse. Maybe it does make sense uh, that you take 100% on your life. But if you do that, and we know there's going to be a gap, what we often will recommend is utilizing life insurance. Because if we go 100% spousal pension, you pass away, it pays out a tax-free death benefit to the surviving spouse who can then use that money to fill in that gap and fund their lifestyle after the passing of that first spouse. So you need to analyze ahead of time and find out exactly how much you're going to need to fill that gap. And you know, so that's kind of one of the, the big things as far as, as you know, the income gap is just making sure you're prepared. Make sure that you've got that life insurance in place and you pick the proper pension option and then realize that you're going to lose one of your social securities. Another thing that I run into a lot is, you know, as you know, Walter, I kind of specialize on tax planning. I try to minimize a client's lifetime tax liability. One thing you need to realize is that when that first spouse passes away, you're going to move from the married filing jointly or the married filing separately brackets to the single brackets. And those tax rates generally for the same amount of income are going to be higher. 
and you're going to lose one standard deduction, you're not going to have two, you're going to go down to one. So your taxes are going to go up. So you need to plan for that because we can't spend tax money. You need to focus on your after-tax cash flow. How much are you getting after Uncle Sam is paid? And that's another thing you need to plan for in advance and realize it's going to happen. Very helpful, I think, to get that guidance. And that's where a lot of people's mindsets are originally. I want to just make sure that my spouse is taken care of in the event of my passing. So uh, naturally, the planning goes there first. But once that's taken care of, we can then focus on taking care of other family members. That's a goal Mm -hmm. that a lot of people have, kids, grandkids, and beyond. Are there any common mistakes you see people making on that front, and, and how can those be avoided? Yeah, well, once you, one spouse passes away, I mean, we then, you know, the first thing we got to start to do is we need to make sure, like we said, that cash flow is set up. And a lot of that was simply done with proper planning ahead of time. So we know what we, we need to do. Uh, second of all, though, is that we need to go through all the beneficiaries, make sure we change things. A lot of times we'll have... You know, the surviving spouse is the beneficiary on an IRA in majority of cases. So now we're going to have to, you know, reset up the beneficiaries on those accounts, make sure we've got TODs or PODs on non-IRA or annuity or life insurance accounts that don't have named beneficiaries. We can add on that payable on death or transfer on death designation to those accounts, and it'll avoid probate. So making sure that we redo all of our beneficiary designations. And then a lot of the times, too, we talk about the whole tax planning aspect. Hopefully, we've been doing tax planning while both spouses were alive, and we were able to take advantage of those better tax rates with the joint. Now, while that one spouse has passed, we need to make sure we have things in place to make sure we minimize those taxes when that money passes to the children. So when the kids get that money, we don't want to have them be burdened with a heavy tax bill when we could simply just do some planning ahead of time. So now we got to look at walking through that, whether we're utilizing, you know, trying to do some Roth conversions, or maybe that's another place where life insurance may come into play in order to make sure that the taxes are going to be paid and the maximum amount of money is going to go to the children. Because even clients that I have that say, hey, you know what, I'm not worried about the kids. You know, I've never seen anybody bounce their last check on the way out the door. And I, most everybody will tell me that their kids are going to be better stewards of that money than the federal government. So well, let's get as much to the kids as we can. That's a great point. Yeah, who do you want that money to go to? And and the government, I would imagine, would be at the bottom of many people's list. And so let's plan for that accordingly. Last but not least, Scott, we get a lot of questions about trusts over the years mm-hmm. and whether they're a good idea for preserving family wealth. A lot of other people also have this assumption that, oh, uh, trusts are only for rich people and lots of other just kind of misconceptions about that part of the financial and life planning process. So what's your take on on trusts and their role in in planning for the future like this? Well, so, Walter, there's a ton of different trusts. I mean, over 100 different types of trusts you can have. So when people say trust, it's, it's you know, it's generally used in a, in a very general sense. But what most people are referring to are what are called revocable living trusts. And 
that becomes most beneficial when it's a large estate and we want to try to preserve and reduce the amount of federal estate tax that's levied on that estate. So if the estate is going to be larger, there certainly is a need for a trust like that. Now, with that said, right now it's $12.9 million per person is, is the exemption before you get into federal estate tax issues. For a majority of Americans, not going to be an issue. But with that said, the existing tax law is set to expire January 1st, 2026. So a lot of the tax rates are going to go up. As it stands right now, the, the standard deduction will go away. But I have a sneaking suspicion in order to, when they rework this tax code in 2025, they're going to lower that $12.9 million, probably maybe down around where it was in 2009, which is about $3.5 million. So now that may start to impact a lot more people. So that's where a trust may come into play. The other reason why people have trusts is to avoid probate and to keep things private. So that's an advantage. Let's talk about each one of those separately. So avoiding probate. In the majority of cases, we can avoid probate with almost every one of our client's assets without having a trust by simply making sure everything is titled properly. You can avoid probate without having, uh, having a trust. So like, if you're doing it just to avoid probate, you might be able to get away with it without having to create that trust. Then when we talk about the privacy, again, if we avoid probate, those assets don't go through probate. It's not going to be public record. So again, having everything titled, you can still keep everything private. A trust, again, if you had everything in the name of your trust, nothing goes through probate, and that would also be private. You know, and one other thing I want to add, too, is that one thing a lot of people overlook after the passing of the first spouse is nursing home planning. So think of this situation. When you have a husband and wife that are together and somebody gets dementia, somebody's having issues getting around, that other spouse is going to take care of them as long as they possibly can and keep them in the house. But now that there's just one spouse, you don't have that other spouse to help take care of you. And it's a lot of the times it's tough on the kids. They have their own families. They have their own things going on. And they can't leave mom or dad alone in the house. So it becomes more of a possibility after that first spouse passes that you're going to have to go into an assisted living or you know, maybe even a nursing home. So again, having that plan in place ahead of time helps prevent a lot of issues going forward. Well, thank you for the breakdown, Scott. And if you are not prepared for this possibility in your financial life and you want to get on the right track, don't hesitate to reach out to Scott and start talking a little bit about how you can better prepare for this situation and uh, put yourself in the best position possible. Go through a complimentary review of your financial plan and discuss how you can uh, put together a plan that's going to take into account these kinds of things as well as many other considerations when it comes to financial and retirement planning. We're going to be talking 
talking about pensions and uh, inflation in a few minutes. That's another element of the puzzle, creating income and just all sorts of other moving parts when it comes to planning for retirement. Scott, make sure that everything is accounted for in that financial plan. So if you want to get in touch, a couple of easy ways to do it. You can call 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Or go online to talkwithscott.net, and you can actually schedule a time to visit with Scott from your smartphone or computer very easily. Pick a time that's convenient for you. Talkwithscott.net, your place to go for that. And we've got links and uh, contact information in today's show notes, so you can find it very easily. All right, more coming up on today's show. Time to get to know Scott a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, interesting question for you on today's episode. What app on your phone do you think you use the most? (laughs) Well, it's certainly not social media because that stuff drives me crazy. Nice. Okay, that's a good thing. I'm not on the Instagram or the Twitter or the Insta Snap or all those things, uh-huh. right? Especially when you call it the Instagram, you know, you know that it's just not your your bag of you know, yeah, not, not, not your my cup of thing. Tea. Yeah. yeah, no, I I go on on there occasionally, but yeah, definitely not the most used app. I like well, I like saying uh, the in front of things too, the Facebook, <laughs> the Instagram, just because it drives some people crazy. Oh yeah, and I'm a natural aggravator, Walter. Yeah, you know I'm that. sure you drive your daughters crazy with the way you talk about technology and well, social media. <laughs> And that's get off the Snapchat, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, you know what, you know what, you know what I would always say when I was coaching lacrosse. I said, Your time is here with me. We're gonna focus. When you're done, you can go home and play on the Insta Snap. Nice. Just so I totally made up I made up a total new social media channel and uh put the in front of it. So yeah, double aggravating. I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna start just constantly mixing together all of the social media apps into into just yeah. made up things so the face snap the the insta face you know just just keep combining them yeah the face tube yeah oh perfect i love that face tube. yeah <laughs> uh yeah the face tube but i would tell you the app that i use the most uh well this time of year i do use my fantasy football app a lot ah, but throughout the year consistently is i have a workout app called zing that i use to when i work out and it it kind of customizes the workouts for me and uh that's the one i use most throughout the whole year nice so it's a yeah. it's showing you how to like it's then telling you what exercises to do is it like a trainer where it's walking you through what the what the plan is for the day and that kind of thing yeah, it's exactly it. And then it takes into account your muscle, um, you know, recovery time. So if you work like a muscle group hard on Monday, when you do it again on Wednesday, it won't focus on that as much because it wants to give those muscles time for recover. So it'll automatically give you different uh, exercises based on what you're trying to do. Nice. That's yeah. pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I do that. Uh, I will. I will exclude, you know, Google Chrome, you know, browsers and and the calendar app and things like that. I feel like that's cheating. Like, of course, you're using those a lot. So Mm -hmm. in the more specific variety, uh, I'm a nerd and uh, I use my weather app a lot. So probably say that's my number one. Yeah, that is nerdy. Yeah, it's a sophisticated radar app. So I'm always checking that. Nice. Well, you know, living where you do, too, though. The weather a mile away could be completely different where it is in your house. You are exactly right. So <laughs> I I did not consult it on our most recent hike, actually. I knew there was a chance of rain, but 
I wasn't quite anticipating the temp to drop from 82 to 35 and to be enveloped in sheets of rain. So the one time I didn't check the app for the weather and the precipitation and kind of anticipating what that was going to be like. Yeah. It bit me. So I don't think that, I don't think you'll make that mistake again. No, although I'll admit it was still a pretty fun, I'm a little crazy. So it was still kind of a fun hike, even though it was incredibly cold and we were soaking wet, but luckily it wasn't a long hike. So it wasn't like we were going to be getting hypothermia or anything like that. Right, <laughs> You're able to go home and warm up. Yeah. We were just laughing about it the whole time of like, Oh my God, this is miserable, but also really fun to be hiking in the pouring rain like this. And mm-hmm. we got some hot bowls of soup afterward. So that, very that, good. that made it all worth it. Yep. Uh, well, very cool. Uh, more coming up on today's show. Next, we're going to open up the mailbag. Really good question this week. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. So our question this week is from Jack. Here's what Jack has to say. My pension doesn't provide an inflation raise each year. So I'll still be getting the same amount at age 85 that I'll have at 65. Should I even bother taking the spousal continuation option for my wife to keep getting the monthly payment if she outlives me? This points right back to our main discussion today, doesn't it? Yeah, Jack, you couldn't have thrown me an easier softball if you tried, I think, uh... Definitely, uh, I think I can hit this one out of the park because, uh, yeah, we just talked about this. So, you know, the reality is, is that if you don't, I always encourage, and we run the numbers, we analyze what makes the most sense, taking the upfront, doing the spousal continuation. But obviously, Jack, I'm assuming you're a good person and you want to make sure that your spouse is taken care of uh, after you pass or you wouldn't have uh, included this question. So, yeah, you you want to take a look at, at if you know having a spousal option on there does it make sense financially? It, how much of a haircut do you take from where if you did the one hundred percent on your life, and then look to fill in those gaps by utilizing a life insurance policy or something like that. If your health is not good and you're not able to get an insurance policy, you know then that's another thing that you need to consider too, and when you go and pick those pension options. So. Uh, Good luck to you, Jack. And if you have any questions, reach out. Good question. Thanks for that one, Jack. And again, the number to call if you have any questions is 888-742-0111. And also online, talkwithscott.net. Schedule a time for a complimentary financial review with Scott Searles and the team at Skybox Financial Group. Scott, thanks for all your help and the guidance on the show today. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your rest of your fall as uh, we start to get a little bit more officially underway here. And uh, good luck with all those Halloween decorations. Yeah, I, I love. I'm excited. I get, just got myself pumped up again to nice. uh, to, to to do some more decorating. Take uh, take some pictures, and then on the next episode, we can post some pictures up with the uh, up with the episode so people can see what your what your decorations came out to look like. All right, we'll do that. All right, perfect. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We will see you next time right back here on the Skybox Financial Group's Retirement Toolbox. Go Browns. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.